Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed Word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your divine mercies that has included us in your eternal purposes. Thank you for bringing us to your throne to hear your holy precious words. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and bless us, to bring illumination, light, to create in us a new desire for your words. Lord, deliver us from darkness. May the power of darkness be broken in our lives. May we begin to inherit all the blessings and the treasures of the new creation through our love for your word. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We may take your seats in the presence of the Lord. We thank the Lord. Wonderful. The scripture for the week is from Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Philippians 3 verse 10. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Philippians 3.10. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's go. Philippians 3.10. That, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Philippians 3.10. Amen. You know, um, your Christian calling, your whole... People at the back, help me here. Invitation by God to participate in what God is doing. It is summed up in this one purpose. That God wants to incarnate Christ in you. Amen. God wants you to become like Christ. The Father loves the Son and has given him all things. Hallelujah. Amen. And the Father loves the Son so much that he wants multiples of his Son. Like he wants Christ lookalikes. Amen. Amen. So in the end, if you read the New, the New Testament... All things are summed up in Christ. That in the in the final analysis, everything is going to be summed up in Christ. And the Bible says Christ will hand over the kingdom to the Father. Hallelujah. So one day Apostle Paul was speaking and he said, 
my little children, this is Galatians chapter 4, verse, I think verse 19. It says, my little children, for whom I travail again in childbirth unto Christ be formed in you. Hallelujah. Now, why does he use the word travail again? You see, for somebody to be born again, it involves people praying. And prayer is like labor, like the travail of labor. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you there? Yeah. Labor involves travail. And so, to have people to be born again, to come to your church, to come to Christ, it involves praying. Because you are birthing out something in the spirit realm. And so, first of all, you get the member. You get the person to be born again. That is the first step, which I believe all of us, or most of us, if not all, here are born again. Is that not so? Yeah. If you are not born again, you are a bit late. And so after I finish preaching, I will give you an opportunity to be born again. Hallelujah. Amen. With God, nothing is late. Amen. God will still receive you. Hallelujah. Amen. But being born again is the first step. So Paul prays in Galatians 4.19 that my little children... For whom I travel again. I travel in birth again. Why is he using the word again? Because after the person is born, born again, first you are born physically. Is that not so? So that's the first birth. And then you are born again. That is, you come into Christ. You come into the knowledge of the light of God. You become a part of God. But then after the people are born again, Paul is saying, I am traveling again. For what purpose? Until Christ be formed in you. So God wants to take the template, who is Christ, and imprint the image, the function, the purpose of Christ inside of you and I. That's your purpose. Hallelujah. That's your goal in life. Everything must end up in Christ. And, and if we don't have that purpose, if we don't have that um, goal, then we are misaligned. We are not in line with God's purpose for us. You know that everyone who makes something has a purpose for which they made the thing. And so if the thing decides to choose a different purpose for itself, and then it's trying to get the help of the maker to fulfill that new purpose, the maker is not going to cooperate. Amen. In order for you and I to get God's cooperation, we must align ourselves with the purpose for which God created us. And he created us to be like Christ, that Christ be formed in us. Amen. And so going back to the scripture of the week, Philippians 3.10, Paul is saying that my little children, no, no, that, that I may know him, that is, that I may know Christ. You see, this is Paul's quest. Here is the person who used to oppose Christianity. He used to, he used to cause Christians to be arrested and put in jail. And some of them being killed. And then God missed him in a dramatic conversion experience on his way to Damascus. Hallelujah. And on that journey, the Bible says he was blinded by the light that comes from Christ. There's a light that emanates from Christ. Which light confronted him and then he became blind. And then after three days, he was, his sight was restored and he became a believer. And then after now he has become a believer, he's been preaching for some time. He's been doing many things for God for some time, as many of you have been Christians for some time. But you see, being a Christian for some time is sometimes one of the, one of the traps or one of the um, delusions that can come to you that when you hear the word of God, you may discount it. Because it's like, I've heard this before. 
Amen. Amen. But if there's anybody who should be who should be happy with his Christian life or should be complacent and satisfied already, it is Paul. The man met Jesus Christ and got converted in a radical conversion experience. But that did not stop him from being continued to be hungry for more. Hallelujah. And so here he says, after he's done a lot for God, he said that I may know him. That is, my whole purpose in life is that I may know Christ. You need to have spiritual goals. Many people don't have spiritual goals. All our goals and objectives in life is to make it in this American dream. Amen. One day I met somebody in the hallway and then somebody was coming this way and I was asking him, how are you doing? How is he going? Then he says, living the dream. <laughs> and the person said, I, 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 you have to show me how. <laughs> Amen. Well, there's nothing wrong in, wrong in living the American dream. But like I said, your function and your purpose for which God created you is to be for Christ to be formed in you. And all the other things that are blessings and gifts that God gives us. Because God will give you tools and gifts and blessings. But it is not just to be enjoyed outside of the main function for your life. Hallelujah. So Paul said, I would like to what? Know Christ. I don't know about you. I would like to know Christ. Have you ever met someone, been with a person for some time? You, you, the person may have been your friend, may have been your spouse, may have been someone you've been acquainted for years. But then every now and then, they do something that it takes you off guard and it takes you by surprise. Because you thought you knew the person. Is that not so? You see, human, if human beings are complex, there are so many layers of the person. The person that you think you know, you have only begun to peel the outer part of the onion. You have not gone into the inner part that will get uh, uh, into your eyes for you to begin to feel something. <laughs> Amen. So if, if, if even human beings are layers and it takes a lifetime to discover... Then how about Christ? Amen. So don't ever come to a place of, I think I know Christ, I know it all. You must have a constant renewing hunger for more of him. And, and then he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The power, I'm just commenting on the scripture of the week. I've not started my message yet. Because it was too tempting to pass, to, to not to say anything about it. Because, because at the end of Paul's life, this is his summary of what his, his goal was. And I want that to be our goal also. That we will know Christ. And that we will know the power of his resurrection. Which is what every believer's goal is. The resurrection power of Christ. The reason why it is so powerful is that, you see, it is different, it is different from the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Do you get it? I mean, the raising of Lazarus from the dead was, I would say, the greatest of Jesus' miracles. That somebody dead for four days. Now you command him. And Jesus had to mention Lazarus come out. If Jesus did not say Lazarus come out, he just said come out. More people, other people who he, he doesn't want them to come back from, to life. <laughs> because there were certain evil people who were dead. Who you want them to remain dead until the judgment. You don't want them to. So he had to be specific. Lazarus come out. So only Lazarus will come out. Hallelujah. At the command of the, the he that is called resurrection life. Because he met Mary and said, look, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. And so, it's not, it's not just, I have resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Mary thought that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus in the latter days. He said, no, 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 no. The person we are speaking about is me. And whilst I'm here, I can let Lazarus come out from the dead. Amen. He's dead, but he's going to come out. Amen. 
He said, Lazarus come and Lazarus comes. So that is, that is the highest of the miracles, according to me. But then when Jesus himself dies, amen. amen. And he's been prophesying that I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And then he actually dies. And then he goes into the land of the dead. And the, the demons are rejoicing. That the prince of life, the one who actually will raise somebody from the dead, can he raise himself from the dead? Because now we have him. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? So the Bible says that the power, when you read Ephesians, it says that the power that raised Christ from the dead is the highest power. Because in this case, it's not only Jesus who is dead. Lazarus' dead is just Lazarus' dead. And raising Lazarus, you are raising one person from the dead. The power to raise Lazarus from the dead is less than the power to raise Christ from the dead. Because when the Son of God died, the scripture said we all died. Hallelujah. The scripture also says that all the sins of the world were laid on him. So even if, even if Lazarus had some, has committed some sins, for which reason he can't be raised from the dead? If the Son of God is standing there, okay, I forgive him. Let him come back and you know, continue in life. But if you take all the sins of the whole world, and you take all the diseases of the whole world, and you take all the shortcomings of the whole world, every evil thing that would ever happen to mankind has been laid on Christ. And now Christ, after he had died, is now held in hell. What are the what are the what are the odds? What what is the prognosis? What is the what is the probability that he can come out? The whole world's sin and sickness and everything is laid on him. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you there? Yeah. Once somebody is dead from a sickness and they are raised from the dead, do you know what it implies? Bishop Dark explains that it means that first of all, you have to overcome. First of all, you have to overcome the spiritual hold on the person's life. The power in the spirit realm that is holding their spirit. Okay? Now, after you raise the person from the dead, now you also need to heal the person from the sickness that killed them. Because if the sickness is not healed, after they are raised from the dead, they are going to go back and die again. So the power that it will take to raise from someone who died from a sickness, or even if it's not from a sickness, it's from an accident, there's some type of failure of some internal organ that caused them to die. Amen? So raising someone from the dead, it involves not just the spiritual part, but there's a physical aspect to it. If there are, if the, if there are internal organs that are damaged, you have to repair it. If it is some, some pathogens, some, 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 some germ that cause the sickness, some infections, you have to repair it. Hallelujah. And so, and so resurrection is a great something that happens. But what I'm saying is that when Christ was raised from the dead, it wasn't one person's sickness. Amen. All every sickness that would ever attack mankind, every sin that mankind would ever be involved in, every reason for which man would not be able or could not be able to rise to the to the front, to rise from the dead, it was all laid on him. So now it ha- it will have to take a greater power than the power of raising one person. If it's seven billion people in the world today, and then previously peop- many people have died, everybody who would ever live. Their sin, their sickness, their shame, their disappointment, their grief, everything was laid on Christ. And so that the power to raise Christ from the dead is the highest level of power. And that's the power you are now have been called to walk in. And Paul says, I want to know it. I want to be intimately what? Involved with it. Amen. Amen. But then he doesn't end there. He said, I want to also know what? The fellowship of his sufferings. See, many believers want to be involved in the, resu- the resurrection power. It's actually the name of a church, resurrection power. Because yeah. it's something that sounds great, that we want to participate in resurrection power. 
Resurrection power is the power to bring something dead back to life. And something dead may not be a human, it may be your money, your wallet, your financial uh, uh, <laughs> wallet, your purse may be dead. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, one day I went to uh, the Chase Bank over here and um, I put my card in and the, uh, the thing was not working. But I knew that I had money in it, in the account. Do you get it? Because usually if you don't have money in it, I don't know what message you get, but you get some type of message that will not allow you to get money. But I knew I had money, so somehow it wasn't working. Amen. Later I found out that the card was expired. And they had made a new card. Hallelujah. But sometimes the real reason is not that there's a card had expired. That you don't have money in it and you are trying to withdraw something you don't have. And you may need resurrection power to affect your money. Resurrection power in terms of our mind, your mind is not working. Hallelujah. But then you see, you, you, in the, in the, in the um, Passover experience, they were instructed to eat the whole lamb. Amen. The lamb that was killed for the Passover, the, the instruction was that make sure you eat everything. So that you cannot eat only the, the leg of the lamb and leave the head. You say the, ha the head has the tooth showing like this and you don't want it. No. You have to eat the whole lamp. Amen. Amen. And so when it comes to Christ, you cannot receive only Christ's resurrection power and you do not want to participate in the fellowship of his sufferings. The, the word fellowship there is koinonia in the Greek. Koinonia. That's the word that we use to share the grace. Okay, how do we share the grace? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. The communion. So that word, communion, is the same word fellowship in the Greek. So the communion, okay? The fellowship, the contribution, the contribution and the participation. You see, if you look at your Amplified uh, Bible, you will see that that word, kononia, in the original scripture, the reason why we have expanded it, because you see, if you go to another church, you are used to saying the communion of the Holy Spirit. But we've added these other words because that same word, it means fellowship. It means contribution. It means participation. But in this context of sufferings, I think fellowship may sound like a Christian fellowship we are talking about. But what word in the sharing of the grace you think will bring this meaning out very clearly? Participation. So that Paul is saying that I may know the power of Christ is resurrection, but also that I may know the participation in his sufferings. You as a believer, it must be one of your quests that to know Christ and to be part of him. You, do, you are not just looking for the glory of knowing Christ. You are not just looking for the resurrection power of knowing Christ, but, also, but you need to be able to participate in his sufferings. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, which of Christ's sufferings have you participated in lately? <laughs> you see, you cannot, you cannot rise to resurrection power unless you are willing to do what? Participate. But you see, the question then arises, why is the apostle putting it in this order? He mentioned resurrection first, right? Before he mentioned what? Fellowship of suffering. But you would think that from what I'm saying, you should be willing to do suffering and then glory. Is that not so? You see, in the course of the life of Christ, he died first and then he was raised from the dead. But in your case, in my case, how you got born again is that you got born again because Christ died and was raised from the dead. So that your, your entrance into the kingdom of God involves believing that Christ died for your sins. And then he was raised again from the dead. So that there, your participation in the resurrection comes first. That is what births you into the kingdom. 
But you see, after you are born into the kingdom, now you need to realize that you are not just walking daily in resurrection life. No, you are also walking daily in sufferings for Christ. So that then the order is, okay, now after I've participated in the resurrection by being born again, now my life is, like Paul said, I die daily. Hallelujah. Now, I elaborated on this because it's very much in line with the message I'm going to preach. Hallelujah. Because, you see, we are talking about the wisdom of God here. We are talking about a certain wisdom that is the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of the world. So, I'm preaching from Bishop's book, Quiet Time. Okay? And we are going to talk about three wisdom keys to the power of daily quiet time. Three wisdom, wisdom keys. There's many wisdom keys, but we only have time to talk about three, probably. Three wisdom, wisdom keys through the power of daily quiet time. One of the things you will discover very quickly is that in life, eh, there are many instances that are no shortcuts. That you cannot have a shortcut way of doing something. There are some things that you can have alternatives. Is that not so? From here to downtown Columbus, you have alternatives. You can take 71 South. Is that not so? You can take Cleveland Avenue. You can take you all the way. You can take where? Um, which one? Moss and High. Yeah, Moss and High can take you as well. You can take 70. 71. You can take 270 and then exit somewhere. Some of them will take you longer, but it will get you there. But you realize that the world, the world has gotten used to choices, have, has gotten used to alternatives that I can do this or I can do that. But in life, it's not everything that is subject to choice. Some things is either this way or not. And when it comes to the word of God, there's no alternative for the word of God. There is no replacement for the word of God. The word of God is in its own category. F.F. Bruce. F.F. Bruce is one biblical scholar. He said that he said, pile up all the books of scholarly learning and heap it up to the roof. And then put the Bible on the side. He said the Bible is in its own class and category. You cannot compare the two. Amen. And so when people begin to have alternatives and to, to try to set the word of God aside, you are digging something you are going to fall back in. Hallelujah. It's not everything that is subject to your opinion. We like to hear your opinion, but not, it's not in every instance that your opinion should rule. Because if we listen to your opinion, if you are, if you are a, a pilot and, and there is bad weather, do you get it? And you are, you, you, have, you, are, you are flying in the air and you have people in the plane. Okay? And you are looking for a way to avoid the bad weather and land. And you call the control tower. Do you get it? And you say, okay, I'm, I'm now in this area. I'm trying to land in Columbus. We don't even have a major water body here. Let's say New York, where you have the Hudson River over there. And, and the weather is bad and you are trying to avoid because you need to land very quickly. And the control tower is instructing you Okay, the way it is, you need to come straight down and make a left and make a right. Go one, one degree west, two degrees north, five degrees uh, east. And you say, well, when I went to school, I loved the number four. So in my opinion, I think I'm going to go four degrees. They said, no, seven degrees north is what you need. At that point, your opinion, we don't need your opinion here. If you want to die like the guy in uh, uh, where? Seattle. If you want to die... Yeah, there is an easier way to die. Don't go and, and steal a plane. Go and don't go and steal a plane and then, then go and crash it somewhere. 
If you want to die, go on. But you see, there are other people's lives that your life affects. So, so your opinion, the control tower said, my friend, we don't want you to hear your opinion. Right now, put your opinion aside. We are trying to save lives here. Take seven degrees. No, forget about the number four that you like. Maybe you have four children, so you like the number four. We don't want four. You don't want your opinion here. It's not every situation where what you think is what you should do. That's why in, in Proverbs, we are told that in all your ways, acknowledge God. Lean not on your own understanding. Hallelujah. Lean not on your own understanding. Your own understanding is not going to help you in many instances. Hallelujah. One professor uh, of theology and um, what you call an apologist, people who defend the faith, he met an atheist. An atheist who is also an academic, a scholar, who had a lot of things against the Christian faith and he, and he tries to poke holes and questions about Christianity. Amen. Amen. And somebody arranged for the two of them to go for lunch. So one is a scholar, Oxford trained scholar, Dr. Zacharias. And he is a scholar, academic, and then also a Christian and knows how to defend the faith, right? And then you have this other one who is an atheist, who doesn't believe in God, who, who has found questions about the Bible that he can use to challenge Christians. And the two of them are at lunch. And this guy, who is the atheist, is saying that, look, what makes you think that your religion is the only true religion? Because you have Confucius, you have Buddha, you have Muhammad, you have New Age, you have different, different. Everybody says their way is the, 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 the right way. And, and I think that everything is relative. Because that's what the modern, postmodern is like, relativism is ruling. But you see, relativism has, it has its own failures. It has not been able to solve the reason why people commit suicide. Amen. You see, some of these people even end up dying because, you see, when there is loss of meaning, when there is no standard, when there is no boundary, when there is no clarity, when you don't have a standard that you can say, this one is the truth and I want to follow it. At some point, people become disappointed with life. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So the man began to challenge Dr. Zacharias. And Dr. Zacharias, they, they used all the academic and scholarly jargon, but at some point, God gave Dr. Zacharias a window to, to tell the man, so he asked him, if you think everything is, you know how sometimes when you ask a question, the not some in some cases the answer is not clear. It, it depends on the circumstance, right? Yeah. Which, is, which is what makes people say that sometimes Christianity, why do you think your, your religion is the, I mean, Christ is the only way? Because depending upon where I am, it may depend on the circumstance. So he started using all those things. And then Dr. Karia said, you know what? I'm going to tell you that in some cases, it's not about your opinion and it's not about the circumstance. There is only one clear choice you have to make. He said, tell me. He said, you are about to cross a road. You see, a lot of truth things are very simple. If you are trying to do a transaction and somebody makes it too complicated, usually they are trying to hide something from you. Truth is very simple. Truth builds one upon another, one layer upon another. Hallelujah. So he said, you are about to cross a road. Okay. And just as you're about to cross, you hear the noise of a huge uh, articulator tractor. Amen. Coming. And the way you are saying that truth is relative, okay? You see, not all truth is relative. The articulator coming is real. You may think it's relative, but it may be not. 
Amen. And you're about to cross and you look. What what did they teach her? They said, look to your left. In the places where you drive on the right, look where? To your left. Look to your right. And again, look to your left. Even if the way is clear, you do what? You cross. So you look to your left. Okay. You see a big, huge vehicle coming. You look to your right. It's, It's safe. You look to your left again. It has not stopped. It is still coming. And you're about to cross. And then you ask yourself, is this relativism, is, is this thing, like, it's like, it's like, is it your opinion as to whether it will do something to you or not that matters? You now have to choose between what I am seeing. Is that a real truck? Because if you step into the road, the truck has not studied the relativism that you studied in, in school. Do you get it? There is only one clear choice here. The only clear choice is unless you want to commit suicide, if you want to live, don't cross the road. You cannot say that, well, I've seen it, but I'm pretending I have not seen it. <laughs> or or it, it's, it's a subject to. It's not subject. It's a question of choice in that moment of life and death. It is not everything that is subject to your opinion. In that particular moment, if you cross, regardless of your scholarly whatever, you are going to, you are going to appear before your creator sooner than you, you planned. Hallelujah. Amen. And so the word of God is like that. That there is no alternative for it. And even if we may not like it, we have to embrace it. Hallelujah. Amen. Go to um, Romans chapter 10 and verse 8. We are talking about three wisdom keys through the power of daily quiet time. So I've been preaching. I'm talking about the word of God. I'm talking about the impact of the word of God on your life. That there is no alternative for it. You cannot replace it with any other thing. You cannot use, you cannot use uh, 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 Ghanaian or Nigerian proverbs to replace the word of God. Amen. One brother, he's, uh, he, he wasn't talking to his wife. And the wife complained to the pastor. And they said, why don't you talk to your wife? They said, oh, um, you know, her, 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 her topics are not interesting anymore. And then they asked the wife, what does he tell you in the house? What does he tell you in the house that he doesn't talk to you anymore? Then he said, he's been quoting a certain proverb that says that a king does not uh, have conversation with his subjects. <laughs> so that is the proverb that, that is the proverb that your husband is using. That is a proverb he learned when he was growing up. Meanwhile, that's not what the Bible says. I mean, we, we value proverbs, but not all proverbs are Bible. Hallelujah. For instance, when I was uh, in high school, one teacher used to say, um, everyone for himself God for us all. Each one for himself, God for us all. Do you know that's not in the Bible? It's not. Amen. Another one, that, another one that he used to say was that God helps those who help themselves. Is that a verse in the Bible? Show me the verse. Amen. Of course, if you, help, if you do an effort, God will help you. But you see, that statement taken too far. Every statement, even though it may be true, if you take it too far, it becomes a falsehood. Because then it means that you leave the weak on their own. Because they cannot help themselves. Then you leave them on their own. And then whatever happens to you, happens to you. It's not the Bible. Hallelujah. Amen. Romans 10, 8. But it says, what says it? What does that? Can we go to the New King James, if possible? What's, what does it say? Because you see, everybody wants to make it in life. God has given us a tool. God has given us a, 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 something that the world does not have. God has given us supernatural wisdom. And this supernatural wisdom, sometimes it goes contrary to how the world thinks. And because of that, we reject it. This supernatural wisdom is from the word of God. 
And I've been making a case, as you can see from today, from the beginning, I'm building a thesis that, th- that, that you cannot live without the word of God. And, 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 and if there's any impact, if there's any impact, if there's any influence I could have had on your life, during the time that I've known you, if there's anything that I feel my calling is for you, is to bring you into the experience of God through his word. To cherish the word of God above all things. Hallelujah. What does it say? The word is near you. The word of God is near you. The word of God is not far away somewhere. We see, we are talking about the word becoming practical in your life. When something is far away, it's not near you. It's not practical. Hallelujah. The word is near you. Where is it? It's where? In your mouth. The word of God is, must be in your mouth. But it must also be where? In your heart. The word of faith which we preach. Hallelujah. You will not benefit from the word of God if it is something that is read as a distant subject for scholarly analysis. You need to be able to personalize the word into your life and begin to let the word of God read you. Let the word of God read your life. Like When you read the word of God, you should not just be reading the word. You should let the word read you and begin to subject yourself to the word. What part of my life is this word addressing? Hallelujah. Some people, they don't want to do any suffering at all. A little suffering, it's like, it's like one day I saw somebody trying to do dishes. And, you know, some this, when you're doing dishes, some things are not comely. Some things are not nice. But to do it properly, well, if you can't touch it, then put some gloves on your hand. And hold the, what do you call it, the, the, the um, sponge. sponge. And sometimes you don't need an ordinary sponge. You need the, the hard one. What do you call it? The silver one. Hold the pan properly and position yourself and scrub the thing properly. Yes. But if you go like this, if you go like, you don't want to touch anything ugly. <laughs> Life is not like that, my friends. Life is not like that. Sometimes you need to get yourself in the act. Hallelujah. The word is, we are talking about the word of God being practical. It's near you. The word of God is near you. It's not far. It's near you. And where? It's in your mouth. You must say the word of God. You must say what the word of God is saying, not what you are saying. Don't call yourself stupid. Don't call yourself stupid. Everybody may think you are stupid, but you are not stupid. Because the Bible says, we have the wisdom of Christ. Yes, you may have failed in school a few times, but you are not stupid. Because you are the new creation. Don't tell yourself you are are useless. Don't tell yourself that, as for me, nothing works. No. When you were saying those things, it is working against your faith. Meanwhile, you've been praying, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. God, help me. In this situation, help me. Then you begin to make a list. But you see, after you have prayed that prayer, if you go back and you are hard-pressed for something and you tell yourself, as for me, nothing works for me, it is negating and reversing and canceling all your prayers. So when it says the word is near you, the word of God and the promises of God must be in your mouth. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And then in, in your heart. Why is it in your heart? Your heart is like deeper. Mouth is up here, but heart is, it goes deeper in you. All right. So the, the three wisdom keys through the power of daily quiet time. Key number one. A quiet time will show you that there are two kinds of wisdom. Human cleverness and the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. We are talking about three, three wisdom keys that a daily quiet time will bring to you. You see, we are talking about the word of God. Why are you going to hear the word of God? You hear it through preaching. You hear through reading the word, but you yourself must have a time that you set aside to study the word of God. We have become we have become an instant an instant uh, what do you call it 
culture. Why by you go to the ATM, you re- remove money. You go to the store, even if you don't have money, you swap a plastic and then you buy something. Okay? Even coffee, we don't have to have brewing scales to brew coffee. You can get instant coffee. So we are used to everything instantly. But now we need to labor in the word. We need to have time to read the word of God. Amen. Amen. How is it that, you see, if you are going to uh, go in for Ameri- interview for American citizenship, you don't just appear. Do you know that? You must know a few things. If they ask you, what is the Independence Day of America? And you say it is uh, uh, March 6, 1957. Or you say it's July 1st, 1960. That is your mother country where you came from. But here is what? It's July 4th. And what was the year? Hey. Pray. pray. <laughs> okay, the young people will tell us. What is the Americans' independence? 1776. But you don't just carry yourself and bring yourself to the interview. And you don't know anything about America. Amen. Who, who is the first president of America? And you say, uh, 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 Tafawa ba- Balewa. Hey! <laughs> you will fail. Amen. So what we are saying is that in as much as when you are looking for American citizenship, you educate yourself, you spend time, take some time at time, even if you don't believe, you, you don't, it's like for the purpose of the interview, you, you memorize some things and appear. Amen. But now, your life in Christ is a whole citizenship you have been called to. And if you don't make time to study the constitution of the country that you have now been brought into, which is the kingdom of God, you are denying yourself and you are, you, you are, you, you, you are, you are, how do you call it, denying yourself of a lot of things that should help you to fight the war of life. Hallelujah. Amen. What does it say? It's in your mouth and also in your heart. So a quiet time, look, let's go to James chapter 3 verse 13. The, the, what, is, what is the point we made? The first point. A quiet time will do what for you? It shows you that two kinds of wisdom, right? Human cleverness and the wisdom of God. You see, there is human cleverness. There are things based on the human experience that you, you just get to know by being around. And mankind being clever, being able to find solutions, we thank God for all that. Hallelujah. But then there is a certain level of operating that human cleverness will leave you short. You are going to operate at a higher level of wisdom. Amen. Amen. So, James chapter 3, verse 13. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? We are talking about what powerful keys you can get from daily reading the word of God. You see, we realize that we are going to the basics. And if you want us to talk about Aaron's beard, if you want us to talk about um, the, the, the color of the cherubim, if you want us to talk about what? What are other advanced doctrines in the Bible? You want to talk about the, 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 the smell that is coming from the seraphim in uh, Isaiah 6. We can talk about that. But that will be in my office, not here. <laughs> that will be on the side. Because, you see, if you have not learned the numbers 0 to 9, how can you write 10 billion. To write 10 billion, you're going to need one and zero. And how many zeros after that? A lot. <laughs> Amen. A lot of believers don't like foundational things. We don't want grounded things. You need to be grounded. And a lot of times we trip because we skip the foundational things that will ground us. 
And what I'm teaching you is that go back to the Bible. Go back to the Word of God. And there are no alternatives to the Word of God. There is nothing else that you can use to replace the Word of God. When you skip the first step, you can easily fall. You want to climb to the, the, the first step is before you. You want to take your foot and put it on the step above. No, you can't get there. First of all, you are not that tall. Amen. Amen. Look at it. Who is wise and understanding? Am I allowed to preach for a little bit longer? Who is wise and understanding among you? Because everybody thinks they are wise. That's the whole thing. You will never, if you were to take a poll, give a secret ballot, give paper, everybody paper, and then. Right, uh, uh, multiple choice. I am wise. A. B. I am a fool. And and then and then and then we collect it in a secret basket. Nobody knows what you are writing. We will actually space Eunice and Esther. Even we will space you because I don't want you to see what Eunice is saying and what I don't want you. So that you can vote, you can vote. You know, conscience, conscience without. Do you think we will get anybody here who will choose that I am a fool? <laughs> Nobody thinks they are a fool. Everybody thinks they are wise. But the scripture is asking, who is wise? And understanding among you. Let him show by good conduct his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. There is something called meekness of wisdom. Hallelujah. The world does not operate in meekness of wisdom. The world operates in brutality of wisdom. The wisdom by which you can outwit each other. The wisdom by which you can belittle somebody. The wisdom by which you can show yourself you are here and everybody is at your feet. That's the, world of the, the, the wisdom of the world. Okay? But the Bible is prescribing to us a higher wisdom. Let's go to the next verse. But if you have bitter envy... And self-seeking in your hearts. Do not boast and lie against the truth. So there is something called bitter envy and self-seeking. It's by implication saying that human cleverness, the wisdom of the world, is about what? Bitter envy and self-seeking. That's how the world operates. It's about self-seeking. Each one for himself, God for us all. <laughs> that is the kingdom of self. Alright? Next verse. This wisdom does not descend from above. You see, we are bringing a distinction. One of the first acts of creation, when God created first, he said, let there be light. And but the next thing he did was that, the Bible said he separated the light from the darkness. Light and darkness are two different things. And the world would like to tell us that there is no difference. Amen. Amen. You are of a higher order. You are of the order of Christ. You are of the one who has a higher wisdom about a coming age that the world does not have. If we continue to walk in darkness, we have mixed ourselves with the world. You and I have a higher wisdom that should make us distinct and different than the rest of the world. There's a wisdom that comes from above, but the wisdom that is self-seeking is wisdom that is not from above. But what's the description? It is earthly, it is sensual, and it is demonic. Earthly is the natural wisdom that you learn from books in school. Nothing against it. But sometimes that earthly natural wisdom tries to challenge the wisdom of God. Yeah. And that's where you need to draw a line. Yeah. That's where you need to say, no, this wisdom is beneath me. I am operating at this level. Yeah. In, any, in, any, uh, in any effect, you don't do away with natural wisdom. But in Christ, you build upon it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
What you learn in first grade, you don't throw it away when you go to second grade. When you advance, you learn new things that will help you operate at a lower level. Hallelujah. Next verse. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. In many instances, the wisdom of God is not operating. What is operating is self-seeking. Everybody is seeking that which is in their own interest. Without considering the implications for others. That's not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of the world, the way it is, is that look out for your own interests. Look out for what will work for you. Without thinking about the impact on anybody else. Hallelujah. Why is it that you just get up and leave? Leave the house. You get up and go, and you come home very late. Do you get it? Meanwhile, your wife and children, they are just finding for themselves. You you don't even care about how the home is running. That's self-seeking. You say, me and my boys, we got to have uh, time together. It's okay for you and your boys to have time together. Hallelujah. But you, you have to think about this decision that I'm making. What is the implication and impact on the family? Let's add verse 17. The wisdom that is above is what? First pure. God is showing us that when you take time apart and you study the word of God, you are going to have what? You are going to know the difference between human cleverness and the wisdom of God. And James is telling us the nature of God's wisdom compared to human cleverness. Hallelujah. The wisdom that is above is what? Pure. It is what? Peaceable. It is what? Gentle. It is willing to yield. Full of mercy and good fruits. Let's stay here for a a moment. And good without partiality and without hypocrisy. One of the things that you will see, uh, there's a lot of things listed there. Pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Maybe I'll dwell on this first four. Peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Any type of person you are dealing with who is not peaceable, they try to find a, a something, some reason why they cannot agree. Do you get it? That type of wisdom we know is not from above. It's like, it's like uh, the word, you say the word enough, they will say no, it's sufficient. <laughs> you say the word sufficient, so no, you should say adequate. <laughs> Amen. And of course, if you were to ask Sister Eunice here, our resident English expert, I'm sure, I'm sure there are fine-tuned distinctions between the words. Every synonym, two words that mean the same thing, there's often there's the best use of the word. That you can't interchange them all the time. But for the purpose of what we are talking about, if I say sufficient and you say enough and somebody says adequate, we all understand we are, we means that it's okay. But somebody who is not peaceable, who is not willing to yield, they would prosecute the thing to the Supreme Court level. That somebody has to now come and adjudicate and, and, and decide. That, they, 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 that now we have to bring what Webster's dictionary. We have to bring uh, this other dictionary. Now compare notes. We have to now this dictionary. Then, then you will say your dictionary is outdated. That they have to now go to Columbus Public Library and now bring and lab, uh, uh, the 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 fattest dictionary which you all will have to carry. Why are you like that? You will never yield. You never agree. You never you are never peaceable. The wisdom you think you are operating in is demonic. It's actually demonic. And we are showing you from the word of God that sometimes 
you are not you don't have everything you want but what you have is enough it's okay let's just move on amen, amen. This morning, Bishop was praying, leading them to pray. And um, he was talking about how certain states of mental illness. And he talked about fear and stubbornness. He said, when you have these two combinations, it's one of the highest level of mental illness. Many normal-looking people are mentally ill. Because, you see, we, it's difficult for us to convince you otherwise. Whenever it takes a lot to convince you, and it takes a one day, Bishop said he, he, I think Bishop Adi or somebody was doing a marital counseling in a certain room, and then he went and came back an hour later, and they were still there. It was past midnight. Bishop, that's her. Bishop Adi, close the meeting. <laughs> if this thing has gone so long, these people, if they will hear you, they, they would have heard you the first 20 minutes or 5 minutes. But there are people, eh, there are some people, eh, they will keep on and keep on and keep on. Look at the word. The wisdom that is from above is what? Pure and peaceable. Gentle. Willing to yield. Willing to yield. There was a situation with a, 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 a couple and the elders met. And the elder decided that the woman was wrong. So she should apologize. And you know, in our culture, when you offend one, you have offended all. So they said, you need to go around. They, there was a family circle like that, within which the husband was sitting. And, and then she was instructed to go and shake hands and say, I'm sorry, to everyone. Do you get it? So she started. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But when she got to the husband, that word, three letter, uh, I am sorry, was so hard. The same thing that she said so far, she has said it to every elder in the meeting. But to say I'm sorry to the man because of stubbornness. She asked, she asked him, what did they say I should say? What did they say I should say? <laughs> Amen. You don't want to yield. You don't want to change. That's not wisdom. You think you are smart. Everybody in the meeting knows that you are hard-headed. Yeah. And that's not the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. It is also full of mercy. Right? It is full of mercy and good fruits. That's the other one. So that the husband now, this didn't happen, but let's take it. So, so, so when he said, what did I say, as you say? Like, I, I, I'm developing my own fishing aspect to it. So, so some elder. So if you are an elder in the meeting, what is your interest? Is it your interest that there will be a divorce? No. It better not be. So if she does that, if you are an elder who thinks there are some people and that bad things an annoy them a lot, that they cannot tolerate nonsense. So if you are that type of elder, and you are tired and fed up with this lady's shenanigans. And your goal is not to settle the uh, situation. What, what would you act? What, how would you answer her? You will say, take your dirty face and leave this place. We are tired of you. Is that not so? Right, 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 right. But Elvis, an elder who doesn't tolerate, but an, a true elder whose goal is to settle the situation, what would they say? How would you answer the person? Because, because she's saying, I have forgotten what I should ask him. I have forgotten. 
And now you want you don't want the thing to end that way. How do you how do you respond? You pretend that she has forgotten. You come along with her. Do you get it? If you are trying to be a peacemaker, be willing to be a fool. Do you get it? So you 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 agree with her, okay, she has forgotten. So okay, uh tell him I am sorry. Is that not so? So then she will say, I'm sorry. They say, we didn't hear. Say it louder. <laughs> okay. Do you know there is different kinds of I'm sorry? Somebody who is not saying from the heart will just go, okay, I'm sorry. Without even looking, I'm sorry. <laughs> Amen. And then they will say, you see, we don't want to get out from here. We have spent three hours. We don't want the whole thing to be a waste of our time. We still want to have peace. So, okay, can you say it slower? Look into his face. Try to fake a smile and say, I'm sorry. Okay, so then she finally is able to pull it off. I'm sorry. Okay. And now the husband, the, the elders ask him, so what do you think? That he to stands up, pulls his pants, and say, I'm not agreeing. Because it looks like she was forced into this apology. And so if she has been forced into this, this apology is not from the heart. So then you see, look at it. Full of mercy. The wisdom from above is also full of mercy. It's full of mercy. So e- even though she has been misbehaving, she has been mulligano, she has, she has not yielded herself to the counsel of the elders. The elders are trying to help the situation here. So now you also have a chance. You have a chance to show a little mercy. We all know. Every, she herself knows she's some way. Ah, she herself knows. So now let's let's not. Tr- so a husband who is like also a big prosecutor on his own is a look. I am not letting this matter slide because this apology is fake. I mean, we were all here. How she forgot? How come she forgot everybody when they got to me? So me too. I'm not. No, but that is the moment you have to remember the wisdom from above. The wisdom from above is higher than the wisdom from the earth. The wisdom from the earth is sensual. In other words, it's based on how you feel. Based on your senses. Look, if you follow how you feel, you'll be in trouble. You'll be in trouble. If everything that you feel you go for, you could be arrested. Yes. And I don't want to, I don't want to go into a, certain, a lot of details. <laughs> It's not everything you feel that you go for. So that you must not trust your senses. You must trust the word of God. Amen. And if the word of God says, crucify your senses, put it aside. Christ had every opportunity to follow his senses. I am the son of God. I created you. And now you are now spitting in my face. And are now playing and ridiculing me, Roman soldiers, telling me I shall prophesy. The man who can, pro- he can prophesy and you will die right now. But he held himself. Hallelujah. And let's read one last scripture. We said we're doing three wisdom keys, but we could only do one. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 32. We are talking about how the word of God will help you in this life. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 32. You, by learning the word of God, you would, you'll be able to set aside human cleverness in place of the word of God. Look at it. He who is slow to anger. Look at it. He who is what? Slow to anger is better than the mighty. 
And he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. Hallelujah. Amen. A person who can rule your spirit. Because based on what you are seeing, what your spirit, your emotion, how you are feeling, wants to respond, is to tell the person to their face that you, let me tell you, if it was not because of church, you, I will not even deal with you. That's, that's, that's how you feel like telling somebody. Because you feel yourself that you are in a higher and better class. But in Christ, we are all at the foot of the cross. And so you feel like telling the person, the way you are behaving, you, I will even talk to you. And if it wasn't because of that, so in that little phrase, you have reduced the person to ashes. So whatever you feel like saying, is not everything you should say. Because if you can rule your spirit, the person who rules his spirit is better than the one who has what? Nuclear. Who, who, who can use military force to take a city? The word is used to what? The outward, boisterous, external, physical things we can conquer. But the Bible is telling you that it is greater to learn and to grow in the wisdom of God that allows you to be able to control yourself. Hallelujah. One who is slow to anger is better than what? The mighty. Wisdom key number one. Put your hands together unto the Lord. <laughs> Rise up to your feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us. Help us, O oh God, to learn the ways of the Spirit of God. To learn the ways of God. If you are here, you are not born again. There's never been a time that you committed your life to Christ. I am inviting you to lay aside human cleverness and the wisdom of this age and give your life to Christ Jesus. Blessed be your name, O oh God. If you are here, you are born again already, but you have not walked in the wisdom of God. You, you, you want to rededicate your life to God. You want new strength and new physical power. You need, need new spiritual power. To be an overcomer in the kingdom, lift up your hand. With every eye closed and every head bowed. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We adore you, Jesus. I want the church to pray with me. Thank you, my Savior. Thank you, my God. I believe Christ died for me. According to the scriptures. That he was raised again from the dead according to the scriptures. Lord, give me your grace to live for you. To embrace the word of God as the guiding principle in my life. This day and all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. We are going to take our second offering and our tithes. If you need an envelope, lift up your hand. If you brought your tithes, stand up to your feet. If you paid your tithe during the week, stand up to your feet as well. You want to acknowledge the pain of tithe because we believe it is biblical and it is for us today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We appreciate you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to your altar with our gifts and with our tithes. Father, we commit this all to you, Lord. We ask you, may you bless it, Lord. 
Honor your word, O God, and cause us to increase. Protect our basket and our store. Protect our bank account and our jobs. Keep us, O God, from coming into trouble. Deliver us from the devourer. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.